Good Vach and Freyl Chanukah. Those of you who did not hear the original announcement, came in late, it will be in your best interest to get a sitter for this year. Um, not because things are going to get that bad that you'll have to daven, but although this, it's always appropriate, but um, we're going to be uh, doing a little textual analysis this Hanukkah, and it will be Kedai for you to have a sitter to follow along with. That's just advice, not required, and uh, just thought that would be the public service announcement. So, uh, it's Hanukkah, and you know, this is re- a relatively new tradition for us. It's only the, you know, this is the tenth year that we're having the shiurim, and um, we haven't had Hanukkah shiurim for too many. We either skip the week, or if it comes out, we take off, because after all, we know that Hanukkah is a family time, and a time to get together with family, and then we realize that we don't have any family, they're all back in America or England, so what we have is our own family, we can see them any Mosi Shabbos, and that's the reason we come to this year. So, uh, so the fact is that uh, we don't, we don't, um, we don't have that many opportunities, but they are Mesibis and Chagigis, and of course the ultimate purpose of this is to celebrate the fact that once again we were allowed to learn Torah. Therefore, what better way to celebrate it than by not learning Torah? This is one of the great paradoxes of Hanukkah, right? As we've spoken about this in the past, the fact that the Jews wanted so desperately to learn Torah, even though the Greeks outlawed it, that they went up into the mountains and hid to be able to do it. And whenever the Greeks came by, they suddenly pretended it was a casino, took out the uh, ever-popular dreidel, you know what I mean, and uh, took out the Imani, and they said, come on, give her, you know. And they said, oh, this is just an illegal casino. Well, we'll, we'll look, look the other way. We thought maybe people were learning Torah. So uh, to remember that, very often now, instead of learning Torah, people play dreidel, which makes you wonder who won the war. So that's a little bit of a problem. We, we don't want that to be, and therefore we want very much that... We want to inspire the learning of Torah, and we do the best we can to add an extra learning of Torah, and so therefore Tzvi Ackerman, who is the moving force behind this year, um, uh, said, you know, gee, it's Hanukkah, we really should have a shir, and you'll see, you know, it's a, it's a very important thing to get an understanding of Hanukkah. So, that's why we're here. But like I said, it's a relatively new innovation, and, uh, and the fact is that it is essential, and we've spoken about this in past years, I do not wish to belabor the point, but... You understand that when a Chag comes around, when a Zman comes around, it behooves us to try to understand the message for ourselves. And as we grow as people, our understanding of Torah has to grow along with it. Right? Parshas Vayeshev, which this year is the first Parsha, Hanukkah, and uh, the Surah of Mechiris Yosef so often comes out during Hanukkah, um, the, it's just, it's just impossible to understand this on a simple level. Yet when we were little kids and we went to school, we learned that Yosef's brothers were jealous of him and they wanted to kill him and they sold him as a slave. Which when you think about it, uh, on a level of these are people who are Nevi'im, these are people who are, um, you know, speaking to Malachim and stuff, that they would be driven to such acts of violence and jealousy is really difficult to understand. So, you have to understand it on a deeper level. When you understand it on a deeper level, you can't read the story on a simple level anymore. You've grown beyond it. I may have said this Vart years ago, but uh, but it, it is appropriate. Um, I heard this uh, from Ari Pelkowitz when he was the rabbi in the White Shul in Farakwe. Um He said, you know, the Medrash says, well, the Torah says, that when they went through the 
the Midbar, Fa'aboyim, Shana, the 40 years in the desert, their clothing grew along with them. So if you start out as a small child, your clothing grew with you. And, uh, and the Medrash says, not all the clothing, only the clothing that they wore. If you stuck your clothing away in a suitcase at the end of 40 years, it was still children's clothing. It did not grow. And he said, it's an important lesson for us. Because if when we go through life, the things that we lock away in a box doesn't grow with us. It's only the things we keep with us. You know, for very often, people come and spend a year in Israel, you know, and uh, one of the important aspects to it, of course, is taking pictures. We take a lot of pictures. Some pictures should not be taken, but we take a lot of pictures. And then we set them up in albums, sometimes with cute little captions, and we have my year in Israel, and it goes up on the shelf. And anytime we want to look at it, we pull it down, and we look at it, and we remember it, and we put it back. That's called locking it away in a box. It has to be with us. It has to be part of us. It has to be something that's alive and real. And anything that goes away is never. So if we still have a child's understanding of Hanukkah, we're doing a terrible disservice. And we have to, each year, try to take it a little further and look at it a little deeper. So I would like to raise a question. I am not the first one to raise this question, but I think I am the first one who's going to give this particular answer, certainly this particular way. And this is interesting, because uh, the seminary that I teach in, Dachibinai, just said over a year, um, which was quite complex and complicated with many, many sources this past Friday. And at the end, one girl raised her hand and said, you know, you've just contradicted everything we learned in all our other classes. And I said, yeah, but that's not my problem. You know what I mean? I'm only responsible for what goes on in this room. When I contradict what I've said in past years, that's already a problem. You understand? But as long as, you know, there's a certain, uh, you know, in t- internal integrity, I- I'm okay with that. You know, I don't feel like I have to fit in with everything and everybody. So it's interesting, as I was preparing this year, and I sent it over to a big time Chacham, he said to me, right, but you know, Roshul Zalman says the exact opposite. So I, and he quickly told me, well, he didn't quickly, but he slowly told me everything that Roshul Zalman had said, and I realized it was a completely different Mahalach, and I said, well, let me tell you why I say what I'm saying. And after I explained to him my Mahalach, he says, well, you can say that, it's different, but you can say it, right? So that was reassuring. But uh, but it's different. I, I'm, I'm trying to break some new ground. So hopefully we'll get an understanding into Hanukkah this year that's different than anybody has ever had before. And there is always the possibility that it might be wrong. That's what makes this year so exciting. I remember many years ago I had this chus of uh, speaking to somebody and I said, you know, I, I shouldn't be giving these shiurim. I'm not qualified. I don't know enough. Very little has changed in the ensuing years. And, uh, and I don't know why I'm giving it, you know. And he says, look, he says, that's why the Rambam gave the Yud Kimmel Ikurim. As long as you don't violate one of those 13 basic principles, you can say whatever you want, even if it's wrong. Thank you very much, I said, and I found that very reassuring. So, I'm gonna, that's what I'm shooting for this evening. <laughs> My goal this evening is not to break one of the 13 Animamans. So in any event, let us turn to a Gemara in Shabbos that we have referred to on many occasions. Right? It is the... Hanukkah Gemara, right? It's in Shabbos, Tafchof Aleph, Omid Beis. The Brisa, my Hanukkah. Right? My Hanukkah, the Tanu Rabbonan. The Chof Hebe Kislev, Yom El Hanukkah. Tmanya, eight days. Tmanya Inun, the Lord, the Misbed, Bahon, or the Lord, his Anois Bahon. You can't fast and you can't say a husband. When the Yavanim came into the base of Mikdash, Kimu Kohash Manim, they were Matame all the oils of the Hechel. 
They can only find one little Pach Shemin that had the seal of the Kohen Gadol. They could only burn for one day. They made a miracle and it lasted for eight days. And the next year, they established a holiday for giving, for praising and giving thanks. Well, as the Gemara basically puts it forward, and uh, as the Gemara basically puts it forward, we establish why do we have Hanukkah? Because the Yuvanim Matame, the Besamikdash, when we overcame them, we came in, we found a little Pach Shemen, which was an extremely unusual set of circumstances. We lit it and it miraculously burnt for eight nights. And, uh, and that's why we celebrate Hanukkah. Rashi, Losha Ozrin the Malacha, Shonikvu Ella Likreis Halal, Veloyna Al Hanisim Bahidah. Halal is called Halal, and Hidah is called Al Hanisim. That is what Hanukkah was established for. Not for the playing of Drago, not for the eating of Lakis. These are side benefits. The main emphasis is Halal and Hidah. Saying Halal as we do every morning, and uh, Al Hanisim <coughs> in davening. That is what the Gemara tells us because of this miracle. When in fact we turn to Al-Hanisim, as we all know, it's slightly different. And we spoke about one aspect of this last year, and we spoke about a different aspect of it the year before. And I'm going to speak about a different aspect about it this year. In the time of they wanted to stop us from learning Torah. And they wanted to take us away from doing the mitzvahs. That is the emphasis. It didn't say they came with Timur's Hechalai. Like the Gemara says. The emphasis is they wanted to get us to stop learning Torah. And your great mercy, you stood up for us in that time of trouble. Right? Brought vengeance and justice. And all of these unusual people who should not have won were victorious. And your name became great through this tremendous military victory. And the emphasis here, at least to this point, seems to be on the military victory. And we had a tremendous salvation. And we were saved. And afterwards, this is presented as afterwards. There's almost an afterthought. What the Gemara makes the main thrust is an afterthought. Afterwards, we came to the base and the and we cleaned it up with the we were tired. We lit the candles. This is the reference to the Nes Hanukkah. At the end, the one little line, it's not even spelled out. 
And we establish these eight days of Hanukkah, Lahodos Ulahalel. Well, the simple observation is the Gemara says that these eight days were established, Lahalel Ulahodos. And this was established, Lahodos Ulahalel. It reversed the order. So, uh, someone just said to me today, push it, because first we're doing Lahodos, which is Al-Hanisim, and then we're going to say Hala every morning. That's the order. But as far as importance, the Gemara stresses, first comes Halel, and then comes the Al-Hanisim. Right? If you forget Al-Hanisim, you don't repeat it. Right? So, uh, he wanted to give a pragmatic explanation. Um, it could be that since we're saying Al-Hanisim now, we're putting the emphasis on Al-Hanisim first. Whereas the Gemara is putting the emphasis on the Hala, which is in essence more important. All of those sort of technical explanations you can give. I'm wondering, however, if the, pro, the, the, the key to understanding this is the key to understanding the difference between the way the Hanukkah story is depicted in the Gemara and the way the Hanukkah story is depicted in Al-Hanisim. Al-Hanisim is stressing the Milchama. At the end, it slips in about the Nais Hanukkah. But it seems to be putting an emphasis on the war and the victory. And it concludes with Lahodos Lahaya. The Gemara seems to brush over the military victory and seems to put the emphasis on the miracle. And it says Lahalel Lahodos. Perhaps Lahodos is making more reference to the military victory and Lahalel is making more reference to the miracle. That's my suggestion. That's an idea that I would like to have. And if so, to my mind, this would fit in very nicely into modem. Now, all of us struggle to have kavana when we dive it. I'm, I'm sure all of us struggle to have kavana. Right? Some of us have the difficulty that we simply cannot concentrate. Our day is so busy, it is so filled with so many distractions, phones are ringing, sometimes davening that happens too. I've been in shuls where it, it, the phone goes off, and instead of the guy hanging up, he goes, uh-huh, 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 So that's really disruptive. That's extremely disruptive. You know? But sometimes, uh, you know, people just, it's the first quiet in your day. So, I, I, there are definitely people who Shmon Esri comes, and right away they get to think of everything they have to take care of. Oh, wait, I didn't do this. Oh, that's right, that's right. Because when they have time for his bonus, when you have time for quiet reflection, Shmon Esri. Otherwise, what's the only quiet time of your day? So, suddenly, the pages are just turning. You know? It's, it's brought down in halacha. But many people have this shayla on a regular basis. Yeah? Yeah? Did I just finish the first paragraph of Shema or the second? So it says in Halacha. You know, it deals with that question, Halacha. So obviously, we're not the only ones who had ADD. There were other people who also had it, you know? They just, just couldn't concentrate, you know? 
it's so disappointing, especially sometimes people have to manage, you know, they want to dive for somebody in Rafa'inu, etc., and they suddenly take a look at them up to Yerushalayim Ircha, and how did that happen? <laughs> they're like, should I go back? You know what I mean? You go back, and they didn't say it with any kavana, but if I go back, I probably won't say it with kavana again, so I don't know that I'm doing anything. We say it in Shmakaleno, we say it in Shmakaleno, and suddenly I found I'm bowing, and I don't even know how that happened, you know what I mean? <laughs> You know? Oh, there's a hero zone, you know, at the end of there. But now I'm already doing Tachnun, and I don't even know what happened, you know? So flashes of davening take place, you know? So that's one thing. One time it's just, pos- it's just impossible to concentrate. That's one reason we have trouble having the Kavana, honestly. There's another reason. And that is, we don't know what we're saying. We don't know what we're saying. And I have heard this so many times. That's true. But I have an archful sitter. The advantage being that now you don't know what you're saying in English. That's all. Used to be you didn't know what you were saying in Hebrew. Now you don't know what you're saying in English. Right? So, for example, you come to Nishmas and you come to the words, which I have no idea what it means. And so I take a look at the article and it says, you are praiseworthy, high, mighty, exalted, laudable, extremely high, very laudable, and did I mention exalted? And it has absolutely no more meaning to me than it did in Hebrew. It looks like someone opened up the thesaurus and copied out a list of words. Because someone opened up the thesaurus and copied out a list of words. Because the thesaurus will give you many words for every word except thesaurus. <laughs> Fascinating how that works. Be that as it may. So the fact is, we just don't know what we're saying. You know? So therefore, you struggle that you want to have meaning. Right? And you really concentrate. Right? Sesame, tshuva, elul, these sort of times of years, you know, tax season, whatever it may be. Whatever inspires you to grow spiritually, you know? So you want to really concentrate your davening. And so you come and you start to read and suddenly you realize, I have no idea what this stuff means. And you look at the English and now I don't know what it means in English. And I'm supposed to be concentrating on it, but I don't really know what I'm saying. So as you go over it and you start to think of what you're saying, more and more slowly, if you don't reach a level of understanding, you at least get to define your questions. Modim is one of those sections for me. Modim, modim, when I would concentrate on it, on those moments of inspiration, and I'd read through it, I'd suddenly realize I have no idea what I'm saying. And I'll tell you which line in particular used to hit me, and then... And then I realized there's a lot of lines here that I don't quite understand, but there was one in particular that used to hit me. And that's why I advised everyone at the beginning to bring along a sitter, because we're going to be going over modem inside, so that we're hopefully... I'm giving you my understanding of modem. Do not be limited by this. If you decide to, you know, confuse yourself with things like the truth, you can do that too. But at least this is my understanding. I'm stressing this. I'm not trying to say that this is, you know, the understanding. I have showed this over to a number of people, and they have smiled at me condescendingly, which is good enough for me. You know what I mean? Well, they don't scream play for you, you know what I mean? And they jump at me. I'm, I'm content. I'm a simple guy, all right? When you reach the end, Hatov kilochoro rachamecha, v'am rachem kilosamu chasodecha, the good, because he never stops his mercy, and the merciful, because he never stops his chesed. A equals B equals C. Yeah? I could be much more efficient. He's good because he never stops his mercy, and he's merciful because he never stops his chesed. So let's make this easier. Hatov kilocholu chesedecha. Look at that. I just saved myself a couple of lines that I have to try to have kavana on that I don't understand anyway. 
He's A because he's B, and he's B because he's C, because B is C, and A is F, we just say A is C. A equals B, B equals C, so A equals C. Right? He's good because he never stops his mercy, and he's merciful because he never stops his chesed. A strange idea. And, you know, and every time I would come to these words, the words would just sit there on the page and just irritate me. Which is good. Which is good. I heard once somebody saying, you know, we say, Yeah, but, uh, when we say Nashus Chayo, say about our wife, it's more precious than pearls. So how do you make a pearl? An oyster gets a little piece of sand, and it irritates it until it produces a pearl. And this person was speaking at a marriage seminar. He says, "That's that's the secret of marriage. We should irritate each other to greatness." <laughs> And I know, and I think about it, and I said, you know, I'm doing my part. You know, you know? <laughs> At least I'm helping my wife. I don't, I don't know if you'd argue whether my wife's doing her part, but I'm certainly trying the best that I can to be irritating. And I'm good at it, you know? You know how those little kids, they get caught, they go, nah ah aha, nah ah aha, nah ah I always win. I'm more irritating than a little child. That's the level of greatness that I've achieved. Anyway, or at least that I push people to. Yeah? Yeah? There's a message here. There's something called Tov, there's something called Merachem, and there's something called Chesed. Yeah? So, what's happening here? So, I want to suggest the following. And, and as I've thought about this over the years, I've thought about this idea, and I think that perhaps this might hold the key to understanding modem on a slightly de- deeper level. I hope. And then I think that will give us an understanding of Hanukkah and how we're supposed to plug it into modem three times a day. So let's, let's attempt. Let's start at the beginning. God created the world. Yeah? That was a good thing. And we know it's a good thing. Yeah? It's brought down in Svarim. Yeah? Because Ralph who created the world, that was a good thing. Now we spoke about this before Rosh Hashanah years ago. And, um, and a number of people said that it was really a very powerful message that had a lot of meaning to their lives. Akadosh Baruch who decided to create the world. The decision to create the world was an act of chesed. It could not be anything but an act of chesed. Right? We all know, Rashi says, the Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted to create the world in Din, and then so it couldn't stand, and he added in Rachamim. That's all after the fact. After the fact, he decided to um, set up the world on Din. But you could not have created the world in Din. No one deserves to be born. No one has a right to existence. You, you can't earn your place until you've gotten it. The only thing that you can possibly do is be given life. HaKadosh Baruch who chose to create the world, that decision has to be an act of chesed. It can't be anything but an act of chesed. And within that act of chesed, HaKadosh Baruch who decided what is the best way to create the world. 
And the best way to create the world is Bedin. And we talked about this at length. I'm not going to speak about it at length now. I'm going to speak about it much Bekitsur. Yeah? Why is the best way to create the world Bedin? Because if you created Bedin, then a person has the ability to deserve something. And when you deserve something, it is always better than when you are handed something for free. When you accomplish something that you put no effort into, that you didn't, you know, put any time into, I had a chance to watch this in motion on one occasion. Because there's a person I know who has a perfect score in free cell. Now let me explain this to you, for those of you who are, are not savvy enough to grasp the purpose of computers in our society today. You understand? purpose of computers today is essentially to play games. We also pretend to do business, but essentially it's to do games, right? There's magazines dedicated completely to gaming. There are people whose whole essence is in games. They live in games. There are online games where people make characters and join in from around the world. It's, it's, people live in this total fantasy existence. It's, just so beautiful to watch. In any event, those people who are on a lower level, who are on a small madrega, so they play things like solitaire, you know, uh, free cell, minesweeper, the push it games that come with, you know, uh, come with uh, the computer itself. And um, there's a screensaver that's a spreadsheet. So if the boss comes by, you push a button, it looks like you're working. <laughs> I find that inspiring. I really do. It says, it says a lot, you know. We're back to the people who are playing dreidel during Seder. <laughs> the mashkiach comes by, they pull out a safer. You know what I mean? Like, you know. In any event, so free cell is one of these types of games. And uh, evidently, there's a button you can push where you can see your statistics. And this guy always wins 100%. That's unbelievable. So I said to him, are you so good you never get stuck? He says, no. He says, I'll show you why. And he's in a particular game, and it looks like he's going to get stuck. And when you do, evidently there's a button you push, and you automatically win. I don't know the button, I'm sorry. I think, finally I have everyone's attention. I don't know the button, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a cheap button. A number of games come with cheap buttons. I can't imagine anything more boring than setting up the game, and right away pushing the cheap button, poop, and you win. And just do that over and over again. And then I say, look, I won 560 games. I never played one. I never did anything. But I always win. You know? It's like the Polish card trick. You do it with one card. Pick a card. <laughs> Put it back. Let me shuffle it. Um, is this your card? <laughs> That's not the real Polish card trick. The real Polish card trick is he gets it wrong. <laughs> you know? Anyway... But um, but the idea <laughs> the idea of that you can tell how old I am. I tell Polish jokes. If you're another generation, you tell blonde jokes. If you're that, it doesn't mean anything. People make fun of all kinds of different groups. It doesn't indicate anything, right? You know, I made a mistake once. Once when I was in high school, somebody was telling a Polish joke, and I said, "Hey, my name's Orlovsky. And Ryan Fendel, who was my principal, said, "You think you're Polish?" Do you know what the Poles did to the Jews throughout centuries? Do you know what they did? I never made that mistake again. You know what I'm saying? 
Ich bin ein Jede, Pusche, Pusche, fein. Oh, Hashem, now I feel better. Amen. But, uh, but it's boring, there's nothing to it. You know, what's the point? What's the point of playing if the, if the, if the game is fixed and you can never lose? You know? So, uh, Kosh Baruch Hu set it up in Din, because he wants you to earn it for real. And if you make it for real, that's the greatest thing. Right? Yitzchak. His name means laughter. You have to admit, there's probably not a less funny guy in all of Tanakh than Yitzchak. <laughs> you know? What a crack up, huh? That, the wells and everything, every time I think of it, I just, I laugh so hard I get a tear in my eyes. He's not very funny. You know what? He's funny. He's funny. He's the ultimate Simcha because he lived in Din. He lived in Din. He fulfilled the ultimate of why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world for Tov. And you know what the ultimate Tov is? Din. That's the greatest thing. Within Din, HaKadosh Baruch Hu added in Rachamim. If you can't make it but Din, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu adds in Rachamim. But Rachamim is part of Din. There has to be a basis for mercy. Right? The classic example. The person who says, I'm throwing my... He killed his parents. And he's asking for mercy because he's an orphan. You know what I mean? It's a little late. You know what I'm saying? Even to get Rachamim, you have to have something to base it on. There's got to be something for mercy. You can't just... You can't just sit there and laugh, you know, and, 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 and say you have, uh, you have nothing to do, you know. Ah, I refuse to even recant and, and then receive mercy. Right? Unless, I don't know, you're a Palestinian terrorist. But short of that, who can expect to get mercy without showing any regret, without earning it, without deserving it? Nothing. You understand? Except to us. We're asked to release people, you know what I mean? Even though they do horrible crimes and that, but nonetheless, it's a show of goodwill. <laughs> anyway, the Seder. I don't like to talk politics. But, uh, but the truth is, Din Barachamim is the way that a Kurdish Baruch Hu set up the world. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is. Rosh Hashanah is Din Barachamim. Then there's another thing that a Kurdish Baruch Hu allows. There's the Yom Kippur concept. A Kurdish Baruch Hu, if we cannot make it, but Din Barachamim, allows us to return to that original machshava to create the world. That original act of chesed, if we can step out of din v'rachamim and move beyond that to that original decision, that original act of chesed, and we can cap into that, then we can get a different level of existence. But you're, you're working here outside of the normal functioning of the world. The normal functioning of the world is din v'rachamim. If you want to move out of that into chesed, or chain, or anything like that, you're talking about stepping outside of the natural level of the world. You're talking about, you're talking about, uh, Kurdish Baruch Hu is going to make a nace for us. Tshuva is not B'derech By the nations of the world, there is no tshuva. Because as the Mesul Sisharim says in Perak Dalit, how could you ask for, how could you do tshuva? If I did, chas v'shalom, an act of murder, if I did some terrible avera, I, I can feel bad about it from day to tomorrow. Can I undo the action? Din, Rachamim. There's no way to undo the action Lamaisa. There is no way to do tshuva. Tshuva is against the normal functioning of the world. It's out of this world. <coughs> it's Lamalam and Ateva. So that being the case, within the normal function of the world, there's something called Din Rachamim. And beyond that is something called Chesed. If we move back to Kurdish Baruch Hu's original machshava to create the world, 
As such, we can read this line as Hatov. Hashem created the world as Tov. And in order for the world to have a Kiyam, He added in Rachamim together with the Din. And that Din and Rachamim is the creation of the world. But He's merciful. He never stops that Chesed that was the original Machshava to create the world. May Allah give you the luck. We only, always hope for him. That's how I understand Pshat in these two lines. That was the Pshat that came to me. And if that is correct, then I suspect there is a duality in all of Modim. Saying, there's something called Hatov Kilochalu Rachamecha, and there's a second one called Hamrachen Kilochalu Chasadecha. Meaning, we say, thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for creating the world in its normal way. And there's another level where we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the fact that He allows us to step outside of Teva and to move Lamalaman of Teva and beyond the limitations. And if I am correct, I would like to suggest that that is the terms Lahodos Ulahalim. Halal, anyone who says halal every day is considered a kofer because only on special occasions when we can see HaKadosh Baruch Hu's exceptional nature do we say halal. And so the Gemara and Erechen which discusses when you say halal, how come we don't say it every day of Cholomoid Pesach and we do say it every day of Sukkot. So we say that's because this on um, Pesach we bring the same korban, whereas on Sukkot we bring a different korban. So a korban is considered an exceptional day. Ask the Gemara, what about Hanukkah? Hanukkah is different. There was a miracle. We say Halel on, on Hanukkah because of a nace. Meaning, Halel comes about from a nace, it comes about from something exceptional, it comes about from something that is out of the ordinary. What's Lahodos? I maintain, Lahodos, as we all know, everybody says, the re- modem means two things, to be modem. It means to give thanks, and it means to admit. Okay? You admit that I owe you money. Why? Because when I give you thanks, that means that I admit that it came from you. Do I need to admit that a Kurdish Baruch who split the Red Sea and that he did that for me? What kind of a moron doesn't recognize that a Kurdish Baruch Hu made a miracle? But can I recognize that a Kurdish Baruch Hu let me wake up this morning? I was just asked this question twice in two different classes this week just to set me up for Hanukkah. Yeah, I was talking about how when that the entire purpose of existence is Dvekis Bahashem, to put Dvekis Bahashem in another uh, more uh, easily accessible Lashen, means to have a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, to, be, to attach ourselves to Hashem, to have a relationship with Hashem, and how we have a relationship with Hashem, and how we attach to Hashem, and someone said, but it's a one-sided relationship. We do for him, but what does he do for us? And, and two different people in two different classes ask me the same question. What does he do for me? Or as the bumper sticker goes, God, what have you done for me lately? And I said, I tell you the truth, I really don't have trouble. 
I took upon myself, and I've mentioned this in the Shia many times, I took upon myself about uh, six years ago, seven years ago, I don't remember exactly when. Three times a day when I dive in Gomel Chasadim Tovim Vekonei Hakol. When I come to the words Gomel Chasadim Tovim, I think like what? And I have to tell you that over the, and I try not to repeat. And I have to tell you over the years, the biggest problem I have is deciding which one to choose. Look at all the good that I have in my life on a regular basis. God, what have you done for me? Now I'm sure that if this person was about to be attacked by a group of Arabs and his car lifted up and flew, he wouldn't ask that question. At least not for that mincha. Maybe by my what have you done for me since then? You know, you know, you know. But but if a miracle takes place, what have you done for me? But lahodos to give thanks slash to admit that all the good in my life comes from a kodesh baruch Somebody said to me, well, how come a Kodesh Baruch Hu does so much bad to me? I said, he doesn't. He does so much good. But you take credit for that. So when you drive irresponsibly, which is considered regular driving in this country, so that you are coming up, let's say, you know, you make that turn from Herzl, like, you know, by Binyanei Uma, and you're in the right-hand lane, and you have to move across six lanes of traffic while everybody's still moving, you know, by basically, you know, going through the other cars. I don't mean like around them, like, mom through them, you know, through miraculous fashion. And you do this every morning, and you're like, and, you're, and you get through every day, you say to yourself, I'm such a great driver. <laughs> And one time, Teva actually rears its head and you get hit. Where was God? How come he's never there for me? You understand? Why? Because every time he does something, you take credit for it. And the one time that he actually lets you do something on your own and you mess up, who do we point the finger at? It's his fault. Can't be my fault. Look how many times I was successful. Ah. Lahodos is to admit that it comes from a good Baruch all the good that a Kodesh Baruch Hu does for us on a regular basis. Therefore, I would like to suggest that there's two levels. One is called Lahodos, and one is called Lahalo. Halo is on special occasions, on Nisim and the Flows. And Lahodos is on what we call Teva. On what we call Teva. What we call Teva. I, one of the beautiful things of living in Israel is that our kids grow up with a different understanding of the world, at least than I know I grew up with. You know? Um, when I was a kid, we played cops and robbers, uh, you know, uh, cowboys and Indians, these kind of things, you know? My kids played the local version of that, whatever it might be. I don't know, um, Haredim and the police. I don't know what. They were, whatever they were playing, you know. And, um, oh, it hurts right here. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, so they shoot the bang, bang, you're dead, you know. And then they shoot bang, bang, until everybody's dead. And they're all dead. And then one kid goes, and everybody gets up. I don't remember that being part of a game when I was a kid. We never had the little rule, you know? But that seems to be part of you grow up, and it's true, it's a different feeling, you know? When I, you grow up, the best amygdala is like the land of Oz, this mystical thing. To my kids, it's a bus right away, you know what I mean? They see the base of Mikdash, just waiting for it to replace that little gold dome that's temporarily on our bias, 
We're waiting for the Beit HaMikdash to come. But it's a part of their lives. It's a reality. It's not, it's not a fairy tale. You grow up with a, with a, with a different sense of understanding. So, um, so when my kids came back from science, my, my, my oldest daughter, she came back from science class. They were learning Teva. Science class. And science class was doing the same thing that we all did. The evaporation condensation cycle and stuff like that. All the kind of stuff we learned as a kid. But the first thing in the notebook was um, Teva in Gematria is Elohim. That's the first line in the notebook. We're starting from the point of view. Did I, is that it up? Was it Elohim and Teva? I always forget which one it is. <laughs> I don't know. Matt. I took math in America, so we didn't, you know, we didn't add any religious significance to it. But anyway, but uh, I think it's Elohim equals Teva, right? No one else can add here too? In that case, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and for those of you at home, you know, you can always write me. In any event, but um, there's no such thing as Teva. There's no such thing as Teva. There's God working in the world systematically. And then there's miracles. God working in the world, not systematically. But that's it. There's only two, there's only two ways that a Kodesh Baruch Hu acts. But both of those ways are a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Lahodos means that a Kodesh Baruch Hu, we admit what looks like Teva is not Teva. And Lahalel means that we admit, we recognize that a Kodesh Baruch Hu, we praise Hashem for what's obvious. And so I look at the Modim Tfilo, those of you who have the sitter in front of you. Modim Anachtulach, this is our introduction. And that introduction picks up at the bottom. But that's the introduction. The rock of life and the shield that saves us. The rock of life means we recognize that Kodesh Baruch Hu gives us life every single day. Yeah? We came back to life. Thank you for life, the gift of life itself. And he is the shield who saves us. The shield only comes in when you're under attack. So in the normal functioning of the world, moving beyond that, Mogeni you are in every generation. No delacha. We thank you. And notice it's direct. You, because I relate to this myself. And I will tell of your tehillah, of your praises. I may not have experienced that personally. I may not relate to that directly. But I know the miracles, the wonders, the tremendous things that you've done. And I will tell that. On the life you gave to us, and I'm neshama. Most of us don't really relate to our neshama. Our neshama, by the way, just to disabuse us of this concept, and we spoke about this years ago, um, our neshama is not inside of us like a little cast with a ghost. You know what I mean? That hops in and out. Our neshama is all the way up in Shemayim. What's inside of our guf is called the nefesh, and we're connected to it through the ruach. But our neshama is all the way up. Kolis means that we cut that connection between us and our neshama. <coughs> That's why it's pekubos. It's 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 given to us as a as a pikadon. It's uh, it's lent to us. It's it's uh, in trust to us, which is not. 
the normal way we view life. We view life. Al Chayenu, the life that we have, which was given into our hands, and the neshama, which is deposited. And the miracles of every single day. Every day there are miracles that take place. And ace is a special time. And on the wonders and goods that you do for us, on special times. So we say, <coughs> we are going to Hashem, tell you about this all the time. Three times a day. We're going to talk about all of these things. Yisparach, bracha is something that we see. Yisramam is something that's all the way up. Now let's look at this last line. Because this last line is punctuated with two words that seem to end a sentence. V'cholachayim yoducha, selah. Selah is a word that has no real translation. Um, the Targum translates it as forever. But whatever it is. V'cholachayim yoducha, selah. There are two sellers in there. The first one says, The Hashem who saves us and helps us, that we praise. That's outside of the ordinary functioning. That's how the bracha ends. So, into this, we add our nisim. And what we add in our nisim is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we fought a war. And you gave us tremendous victory. And there are those who like to suggest the tactics that were used in the war, and the methodology, and the guerrilla warfare, and uh, perhaps the generalship, and the, you know, the, uh, the different aspects that we used, the political ideas, all sorts of different things that came up. But it's hard to wish away the miracle of the candles. When we come into the base of Mikdash and we find the Pach Shemen, I, I, I want to give a possible proof because I found a lot of people who don't say what I'm saying. I did not bring them this evening for the sake of brevity. But uh, you can look around on your own and find that almost nobody says what I'm telling you this evening. But there is a Chsam Seifer in Drush's Chsam Seifer that says the following. nisim. Two miracles. Ha'echad the first miracle is that we found this Pach Shemen with the seal of the Kohen Gadol. That was a miracle B'teva in nature. You could say it was a natural accident. 
But after we saw that it burnt eight days miraculously, it got then retroactively it revealed that there were two miracles. That first miracle was a natural miracle, but we understand now it wasn't a lucky chance. It wasn't, you know, unusual odds. What a lucky break. It was a miracle. Veshivas yomim le'acharov b'nei shalobateva. And the seven days that it burnt was a miracle above nature. Rak mitzad shem havaya baruchu for these two miracles, the finding of the Pach Shemen, obviously he's alluding to the famous Beis Yosef's Kasha. Everybody likes to talk about There was an entire Sefer put out of answers to the famous Beis Yosef's Kasha. Right? If there was enough oil to burn for one day, so the first day wasn't a miracle, only the next seven days, so how come we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days? So he seems to be alluding to the fact that the first day we're celebrating the finding of the Pach Shemen, and the next seven days, the fact that it burnt miraculously. He's not counting the first day of burning. <coughs> he says, as we know, Hashem has two names, Hashem, right, and Yudke Vavke. The name Yud Kevavke is called Kadosh, as we all know, he says. Yudua. Yudua is always something that people say when they know you really don't know. You understand? But you're too embarrassed to admit you don't know it because you have not been perusing the Sifrei Kabbalah recently. Right? So everyone says, Kosovisvarim, Kiyudua. Kiyudua, you know? No, the one time I was in the Shia, somebody says to me, I asked the question, he goes, What do you mean? It's a favorite Shazohar. I said, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm too young to learn Kabbalah. <laughs> but now that I'm older, and of course I have learned many, many areas of Kabbalah basically to say, can you do it? So, can you do it? Kosu Besvarim. I used to just say it's a famous Chazal. I've moved into now Kosu Besvarim. It's put down in the Svarim. I, I don't want to reveal my sources. <laughs> Isn't that a Rashi? Please, please. Isn't it a Pasek? <laughs> I don't want to give away my sources. Why? Because I never remember them, so. <laughs> In any event, Kiyudua, that the Shem Havaya is called Kadosh, the Shem Adoshem Nikra Gadol. If you find the same Hash Adoshem, that's called Gadol, and Havaya, that, that name, Yudke Vavke, is called Kadosh. Vizesh Yisuda Benusach Al Hanisim. What do we say? Gadol, as we mentioned, is Hashem, and Kadosh is Yudke Vavke, right? V'siyamu gamkein v'kobu shveodas yemei Chanukah elu lahodos u'lahalel l'shimcha gadol. Da'hainu? Im ha'yukhoivim rakshivas yomim lo ha'yazeicha elu l'neisha ha'yachutz l'teva v'shem ha'kadosh. If we only talked about the miracle that was outside of nature, we would have only used the name Kadosh, Havaya. Avo, Achshav, Shekavu, Shmonos, Yonam, Yesh, Haidah, Vezeche, Gam, Alhanes, Hanistar, also on the hidden miracle, Hanas, Beteva, Beshem, Hashem, Nanikra, Gadol. 
So, based on what the Ksam Soifa is saying, at least as far as I can understand him, he says, we said like this, Gadol is a miracle b'teva, Kadosh is a miracle outside of Teva. And he says, that's what it says at the end, Lahodos or Lahalel. Lahodos then would seem to me to be on a miracle that's in Teva, and Halel would seem to be on a miracle that is outside of Teva, which is what we have been attempting to say. I don't like to say this, because I hope that what I'm saying is true. But very often I hear people say things that sound slightly outrageous, and the person themselves know it's outrageous, and very often they themselves know it's indefensible, but they always say the following. Even if the vart's not true, the idea is true. <laughs> then don't say the vart. That's what I say. You understand? Oh, what? They have to say a vart. I was once sitting next to a, a bacher who had to speak at a sheva brachas, and he was very nervous. And you see, he had gone over it in his head. And he had worked it all out, you know? And he said this vart, and he was, Mama's shaking. And, uh, and when he reached the end of it, he said under his breath, but I was close enough to hear it, he goes, okay, I said the vart, now I just have to say the hesped and the bracha. <laughs> That's the equation for a successful Sheva Bracha speech. But you can't just do the hesped and the bracha, you understand? Sounds too much like a funeral, you understand? When, and we don't want to confuse the Sheva Brachas with that, even though on both occasions you were a kettle. But, uh, <laughs> we just want to irritate you. <laughs> In any event, so sometimes you have to say a vart, and then people say a vart, and they say, well, even if the idea, the vart's not true, the idea is true. I hope the vart is true. Because I, I, it opened up modem to me in a whole new way. To tell you the truth. Which is really what I wanted to do, and I have to tell you, that when this idea hit me, I tried to think of when this idea would be an opportunity for me to say it over in this year. And when I realized Hanukkah was coming, and I realized that I believe that Lahodos or Lahalel Mamish fits into the entire theme of Modim, I was Mamish looking forward to it. And in fact, my wife was stunned because uh, the Shia, which is supposed to begin at 7.30, at a quarter to 7, you know what I mean? I was putting around the house taking care of things, and usually I am frantically still opening and clothing Svarim, writing up my outlines, doing other things, because you have a Shia? And I said, yep. He says, you've never had a shear in the past nine years that you didn't have to prepare the last minute. I said, I know what I want to say. This is an idea that has a lot of personal meaning to me. And, uh, and I hope that the vart is true too, not just the idea. But certainly the idea is true. And that is that there are two miracles. And the famous base Yosef's kasha, right? If there's enough oil to burn for eight days, then why do we celebrate Hanukkah for seven days? There's so many Tiruts, and we've given some of them in the past. The author from Slobodka says a beautiful idea. He says the first day of Hanukkah is celebrating the fact that oil burns. The next seven days is that it burns even when there's no oil left. Meaning, the fact that we celebrate the seven days of Nais that we understand. But do we understand the first day when it's apparently not an ace? On Hanukkah we have to thank on both. Why do we have to thank on both? Why is Hanukkah Lahodos or Lahalel? Why isn't it Lahalel? What's Lahodos? 
And the Lahodos is, as Rashi tells us, Lahodos is called Alanisim. And Alanisim talks about the war. Because it's so easy to look at Teva and miss the miracle. It's so easy to look at unbelievable events and the amazing things that surround us and take it for granted. You know why? Because we call it Teva. And we didn't go to school in Israel and know that that's Begamashia Elohim. We think it's ordinary. We think we live in a world where stuff just happens. We don't know that we live in a world of miracles. We forget that we live in a world where things are, are, appear ordinary. I heard Mashem Rabbi Shapiro once, where he says, you know, everybody wants to say a vart in the dreidel. Why do we play with the dreidel? Why do we play with the dreidel? The Midi Soscha has an answer. There are people have different answers. And he says, to me it's push it. It's because it's a toy for children. And we want to teach the children something. That's why when we have a toy, really the dreidel is not meant for us to play with. It's for the children. And we want to teach children at the youngest age that if something is spinning, there's a hand that gave it a spin. I don't think it doesn't spin for no reason. He says, Gal Gal in Gematria is Yavan. Because it was Yavan that introduced the world, the idea of an eternal universe. The universe always is, was, and will be. Right? Bertram Russell, in a speech he gave, Why I'm Not a Christian, to the Atheist Society in England. He says, when I was a young man, people said to me, where did the, you know, uh, where did the world come from? The world had to come from someplace. The argument called first cause. I had to come from someplace. And it sounded like a convincing argument to me until I was 17. And someone said to me, where did God come from? You want to say he always existed? Well, just like God always existed, the universe always existed. So much for first cause. That's how he writes it. I'm sure this got quite a few chuckles from the atheist society in England. You know, here, here. Right? That was great. Pass the snuff box around. You know what I mean? Here, here. Right, so much for first cause. Yes, right, yeah. And uh, that was fine. Then they came up with the Big Bang. Means at some point the universe began. There was this bunch of matter and at some point it exploded. Boom! And where did that first bunch of matter come from? Dr. Schroeder said he once posed this question on a website where the questions are answered by the top physicists and cosmologists in the world. And he asked that question, and they wrote back, if you can answer that, we'll get you a Nobel Prize. We don't know where it came from. I guess so much for first cause. Ha ha, chuckles from the religious society. You know what I mean? <laughs> if there's a universe that's spinning, if there's a galgal, there's a hand that gave it that first spin. It had to come from someplace. It had to get started from somewhere. You want to look at nature? You want to look at Teva? Then you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's no way to look at nature and not see it. Right? That's the famous Gemara that everybody quotes on Hanukkah, where Hanina ben Dose's daughter comes to him and says, we have no oil to light the lift. And so she, he says, take vinegar. And he says, does vinegar burn? And he says, the same God who said that oil can burn, said that vinegar can burn. You just take it for granted that because the Kodesh Baruch who set it up in this order, that this is the only order that can be. 
The laws of nature are there because HaKadosh Baruch Hu established them. And if he wants to establish them another way, he'll establish them another way. But don't make the mistake of thinking HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not in the laws of nature. Hateva, we have to look at nature and realize that Kodesh Baruch Hu is there too. That's the first day, says, says the Alta. The fact that we miss the, the miracle of the fact that, that, that oil birds. When I first made Aliyah, somebody said to me, and Shamchanalanais, you shouldn't depend on miracles, and it's true. In Israel, we don't depend on them, but we rely on them. You understand? <laughs> All the miraculous things. Anybody here who just, I'm just talking about anyone's personal finances. You know? <laughs> you meet people who marry off their children and they have to buy like a half an apartment and stuff like that. And these people like have no money to pay them a coat bill. And you ask them, where'd the money come from? Nisim <laughs> Now I don't know if that meant that they went outside and they davened and a golden table leg fell down, you know? I don't know if that meant some miracle took place. But often what we call Regular finances in this country passes for miracles. You know what I mean? If you can look beneath the surface. There is no coincidence. There is no, it just happened. There is no mikra. Wow, what luck. We happened to find one cruise of oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadda. Wow, that's highly unlikely. What would you say the odds are for that? I remember talking to a group once and I said, you realize that, you know, Scientific American article said that the odds of even a bacteria forming by pure chance is the same odds of a tornado ripping through a junkyard and a building a 747 by pure chance. That's the odds. So I said, do you understand what it's talking about? And the guy said to me, yeah, what luck. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Isaac Newton had a model of the solar system and someone comes in and says, well, where'd this come from? He goes, I don't know. So what do you mean I don't know? I don't know, I think it was the cats. So the cats, yeah, these two cats came in and they knocked over the paper and they knocked over the wires and when they left, this is what they built. I says, come on, that's ridiculous. He says, you're telling me that a model of the universe couldn't happen by pure chance but the whole universe did? That makes more sense to you? What luck. It's easy to look at Teva and Miss HaKadosh Baruch Lahodos <coughs> When we talk about the miracle, the Gemara says, Lahalel, Lahodos. And when we say Modem every day, we have to say, Of course we know the Niflai Secha, Shabachol Ace. But do we see the Nisim Shabachol Yom? The miracles of every day. That's normal. And so it's Hanukkah. And on Hanukkah we have to be able to see not just HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the miraculous events, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Teva, HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the everyday. And if we do, if we can see beyond the veil and see the amazing things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does on a regular basis, then we will never be put in a position of saying, and what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do for me lately? Rather, we'll be put in the position of trying to decide which of the many chasodim that a Kodesh Baruch Hu does for us should I thank him for right now. Emir Ta'ashem. Afrelech and Chanukah.